This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Hey, Seamus from Newhoff Media Lafayette, and this is Inside Our Towns, the podcast about the people and places that make our communities great. Season one, episode five, and it is brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or drives, we are on it. Arconic is the leader in the production of world-class aluminum products that transform the way we fly, drive, and build. Our guest this month is longtime WLFI news anchor, Jeff Smith. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. How you doing, Seamus? Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to dig deep into the news, which I don't know much about the news. We've had conversations about this at events before, and uh, luckily, I don't have to follow the news because you do. And we appreciate our partnership with WLFI because it, it, it's way too much. There's just too much happening all the time. Yeah. So where did you let's start off? Where did you grow up at? Valparaiso. Valparaiso. I love Valparaiso. Yep. So outside of Valparaiso, out in the country. Okay. So outside of town? Yeah. I went to a school. There were twenty four people in my graduating class. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> did you know everyone? Oh yeah. Yeah. I uh, I from I, kindergarten I... through twelfth grade, I knew them all. <laughs> yeah. So did you guys, like, how many different schools were there? Was there an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school, or did they shove it all into one? It was all shoved into one. My dad was the ag teacher and the shop teacher at the school that I went to. Wow. So you went to the same school building from kindergarten all the way through? Yep. Wow. That is crazy. What was the name of the school? Washington Township. Washington Township. At the time, I think that was the only unincorporated township system in the state. Okay. So I was up there with Cowett, Hebron, Wanatow, so, Wheeler. So your dad was a, an ag teacher. So did you guys have agriculture around you then? Oh, yeah. We lived in the middle of a cornfield. And uh, dad taught FFA and 4-H land judging. So he would get teams together, uh, high school kids. And they would compete in what was called land judging. I don't know if they still do it or not. I guess I think they do. Uh, and at one point, he was the like the had the most championship teams that went out to Oklahoma every year. And so they would, what would they judge the land by? Like soil content and stuff like that. Yeah, soil structure, slopes, uh, whether it's a good site for building or agriculture. Uh, so you dig a hole and you judge the drainage and the soil quality. Wow. So did you do that then? Oh, yeah. Wow. So were you an FFA member? Oh, I sure was. I still have my jacket somewhere. You still got the velvet jacket? You should wear that on uh, oh, one of your you newscasts. I couldn't wear it on my left hand. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you grow up in this, uh, you know, the small town uh, agriculture, a big part of your life. So when did you decide that you wanted to be on TV? Uh, I can pinpoint the exact moment that I made that decision. I was working in uh, Baycliffe, Texas, in college at a waste disposal facility. Okay. <laughs> and I, I did that for two summers, and I knew that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, I'd always been kind of a news geek, and I thought, well, why don't I do that? So that next semester, I re-enrolled at Purdue, 
uh, to get a telecom degree. Wow. So what college were you going to in Texas then? Oh, I wasn't. That was a summer gig. Oh, it was your summer gig. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So, so Purdue grad, boiler up, obviously. And yeah. when you first got into it, did you have any idea what you were actually signing up for? Uh, probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm sh- still not sure I know what I signed up for. <laughs> uh, but it sure has been a good decision. Well, you made a you made a lifetime career out of it. So how many how many years have you been reporting the news then? Not to age you or anything. We're both well, we're both a little uh, bit longer in the tooth than we used to be, but you know. I I interned at WLFI my senior year of college and was hired as a weekend part time reporter that summer in eighty four. So okay. I've essentially uh, I had a few side trips. You know, I lived in Tampa and did radio down there, um, moved out to Fresno. So I've, I've lived around, but Lafayette has been my home ever since 1980. So what did you do in radio? Did you do news in radio, or were you yep. uh, were you one of them uh, DJs that rhymed everything? No, 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 no. I can't do that. Me neither. Uh, yeah, it was WFLA. It was talk radio, and we did half-hour newscast. Did you like doing radio? Oh, it was a blast. Yeah, I was a um, on one of your competing stations, uh, news director at a radio station in Lafayette for five years. Okay. So yeah, I love radio. I hate the hours. Though. I don't know how you guys do that. Well, you just keep working. You know, you get up at four and then you keep uh-huh. working till five. We uh, we usually beat a lot of the traffic, though. I'll be honest with you. And I did mornings for for uh, most of my career. And uh, I never, there was no traffic. And now I work till five or, you know, seven o'clock at night, and, and there's a lot more traffic. Yeah, there is. When you're not going uh, home at 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> but that, that benefit does not outweigh having to get up at 3.30 in the morning. It's Inside Our Towns, the podcast brought to you by Arconic. If it flies or drives, we are on it. Uh, let's talk about technology. We had a little technical issue as soon as we uh, tried to kick off the podcast here, but... Have you ever been a victim of any technology issues while you were live? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you remember one in specific? Well, I think that's they're so numerous <laughs> that I, I couldn't put my finger on any one. What's the worst thing that happens? That can happen. You're, you're, you're sitting down, you're doing the news. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, we had a lightning strike at 559 uh, <laughs> one, one day, and that just fried the control room. Uh, and we've got a pretty capable team of engineers there, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they got us on the air in a kind of roundabout way at about 620. Wow, so you're you're sitting there in the studio ready to go and everything goes dark and you're done. Yep. Wow. But you just you just sit there and trust that your the people around you are gonna make some magic happen and in that night they did. So <laughs> have you ever made the, the phones lit up? I mean, if we're not there at six o'clock. Oh yeah. You know, it's what uh, Edward Mur- R. Murrow once said, we're not always right, but we're always on time. <laughs> So how has technology changed from when you first started? I mean, obviously the cameras are not as big as they were, and you can do a lot more. It's a lot easier, I would think. But how? What's the biggest changes in technology in reporting the news that you that you've seen? You know, 
Well, we're going through one right now, and we'll get there in a second. I, I think cell phone technology has been the biggest driver of change, and that, that really accelerated in 2007 when the iPhone came out. So just people being able to shoot, shoot footage, um, just have it right in front of them, right? The news is, is there all the time. Yeah, it's, 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 it's changed um, you know, viewer expectations. They want everything immediately. Um, and, and I remember a time, I, this, this was probably while the majority of people still had flip phones. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, yeah. Sure. Are you kidding? I had a flip phone. And they, they, they shot video, but it was just really bad quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would get, you know, submissions of, I don't know, a wreck, for instance, from a viewer. And I remember going to the news director at the time and having this discussion, well, you know, should we use this video? And the response was, my God, no, we can't put that, you know, video on the air. <laughs> it was so bad. But within a year or two of that conversation, we did start using viewer-submitted video because viewer expectations changed. Yeah, and, well, you know, with YouTube and, and the, that sort of thing, people became accustomed rather quickly to seeing cell phone video. Yeah. And so we use it now. And, you know, if I see something on, on my way to work now, I'll whip out my cell phone. I don't have a camera with me other than my cell phone. But it's, you know, it's perfectly good video. So Yeah, they're shooting movies on uh, the new iPhones. Well, one TV station uh, down in Dallas shot an entire 60-minute documentary on an iPhone. Wow. That's and a- there has been discussion of that. Um, I'm glad we resisted that because, you know, the quality typically is not going to be there, but... You can do it, you know, and we have done that. You, you can rip off a quick interview um, on a cell phone um, if that's all you've got available to you. And, you know, it's, it's okay. Uh, we talked about evolution, and I, I think this pandemic is has changed or will change viewer expectations about what's acceptable in a newscast. You know, with these Zoom interviews that everybody's doing. Yep. And I, I, I think that's not good for the news industry because it teaches young reporters that they don't have to leave the building to go cover news. But you need personal relationships with people, and, and you, you know, there's no news inside the TV station, and you're just you're just not exposing yourself to the the variety of news out there and you're not asking all the questions and it's i think i I hate to use the the term um kind of a lazy way of conducting business i understand why we're doing it now but i hope this does not continue after the pandemic well and it is different i mean doing an interview face to face and and reading what the person is saying, like this interview would probably be a little different if we were both sitting in the studio, right? Yeah. Then what we're doing it over the phone right now. Right. Um, but with the zoom, what I've found and I've done some zoom interview stuff is it's you, you, you tend to look at yourself. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. want to, you want to look at the person, but you have a tendency to kind of, you know, see what you're looking like and make sure you're in frame and all that kind of stuff that I'm not yeah. used to worrying about. Cause 
I'm not on TV. <laughs> well, but there's nothing, nothing replaces human contact. And, you know, I think from a, from a broader perspective than just news gathering, I think that's been one of the negative side effects of smartphone technology in general is that it really reduces human contact. You know, some younger people, I think, are much more comfortable texting each other than getting together and having a conversation. Yeah, I had to teach my son how to call someone. I said, you actually need to call this person and have a conversation. I said, it's one skill. You can't just text everybody. You have to be able to call people and have a conversation. But How old, how old is your son? My son's 18, graduating from uh, Harrison in a couple of weeks. And how, when did you have that conversation with him? About four years ago. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I was like, you got to be able to have the conversation. His friends, I mean, they talk through their video games, right, when they're all hooked right. up. But, and they sound like complete idiots, which I, I'm sure I did too at the time. But he was uh, calling someone for something. I said, you have to call and have a real conversation with someone. You have to well, develop my, that My skill. boss had to teach his kid how to um, address a letter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I thought was interesting, but if you think about it, you know, those are your <laughs> my son has probably never sent a letter. Uh, he's working on his first resume in school right now. Was like, oh. It'll be interesting. Now, you reported yeah. on a ton of stories, a ton of stories throughout the year, as years. Can you remember a story, and it doesn't have to be the hardest story to re, uh, that you had to report on, but does any story that you covered really stick out in your mind? Well, the courthouse bombing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would be one. Uh, 9-11 would be another one, and everybody thinks, well, that's a national story. Now, that, that had enormous local implications. Um, so there was 9-11. Uh, you know, this pandemic, uh, I got into it with some of the employees at work early, early in the pandemic. When I compared the pandemic to 9-11, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of pushback at the time from frankly, people who were five, six, seven years old at the time of 9-11, who just totally disagreed with me when I said that this would be more disruptive than 9-11 was. Oh, it was 20 times more disruptive than 9-11. 9-11 ended, and then we dealt with it for, you know, a year after this pandemic. They'll write books on it. Well, yeah, um, although, you know, the argument can be made that we're still dealing dealing with the effects of 9-11 because we're still pulling out of Afghanistan. This is true. Yep. But it felt like 9-11 was, I mean, I was doing radio at the time, so we brought in, we actually brought in the TV news anchors to our morning show for um, a couple of days because we weren't capable of covering it. Well, I was, we were the idiots, right? That's what yeah. we did in the morning. We were funny and we were idiots. I'm like, this is way, way out of our comfort zone. So we got some... Uh, TV news anchors to come in and help us uh, cover it for a couple of days, because I was like, I but we're we don't know what to say. And well, uh, yeah, and, and I remember the the comedy shows shut down at that time too because they didn't know what to say either. Now we waited when David Letterman said it was okay to laugh again. We started being uh, we started having fun again, but until that uh-huh. point, we had to wait till Dave said it was okay. Yeah, when he, I remember and, that. Yep, and when he did, we did. Hey, this is Insider Towns, the podcast brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or drives, we are on it. So uh, people have a persona of you because they grew up watching you on TV. 
But what do you like to do when you aren't working? Because I know you're into a lot of different things. So take us through what Jeff Smith's life is like outside of uh, the TV station. Well, I live in an old house on five acres. And I'm, I love gardening, so we're always digging holes and planting things. Um, I got about 40 chickens. <laughs> 40 chickens? Do you name them all? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Maybe one at a time. Only the nice ones. Only the nice ones. Okay. We've got about 60 sheep. Really? And, yeah. And uh, I've got an old barn that I had moved to my property that I use for an art studio. I like to paint abstract expressionism. Wow. So, and I read a lot. What do you like to read? Uh, right now I'm finishing up Obama's book, and I'm, I typically read two or three books at a time. Um, I'm also reading a two-volume history of the White House, which is really interesting. So you read two or three books at a time. Like, do you pick a certain, because I've tried to do this, and I, I read I read my fluff at night, and I read my more serious stuff during the day. But if I try to mix those up, I get in trouble. So do you have, like, certain types of the day that you read certain types of books, or do you, or can you just digest three at a time? It's kind of, I've always got one on the nightstand, so I'm typically reading one at night, and then I've got two or three laying around the house, and if I get... 20 minutes or half an hour, I'll pick one of those up. So it just depends on what I'm in the mood for. One of the downsides to uh, being as famous as you are is, and we've, we've had, the, you and I have had this conversation a couple of times at different events, is you get recognized all the time. I do not, which is fantastic. But how, how often during the week are you out and someone says, hey, you're Jeff Smith? Oh, probably about seven days a week. <laughs> It's nice of people. Is that what most people say? Hey, you're Jeff Smith? Yeah, aren't you the news guy? Or for some reason, people call me Mike. They call you Mike? Really? I don't understand why that is. <laughs> I, can't rem- I can't figure out if they think I'm Mike Piggott or Mike Prangley. Okay. <laughs> the old weather guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll often get somebody yelling at me across the store, Hey, Mike, what's the weather going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> you're like... I don't know. I got to send it to someone else. Do you keep track of the weather, or do you just completely oblivious to it? Oh no, I love the weather. I, I watch. I watch attentively during the newscast. Yeah, Chad does a great job. He he's he's very interesting. Don't ever ask him about the weather unless you got twenty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, he's into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, weirdest place you ever got spotted? That if you want to reveal that weirdest place that you got recognized on a elevator. In Cancun, Mexico. An elevator in Cancun, Mexico? Yep, that happened. Wow. Early, early in my career. This would have been probably the late 80s or early 90s. Somebody (laughs) tapped me on the shoulder (laughs) and said, hey, aren't you Jeff Smith? We're from Delphi. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I can go nowhere. Yeah. And then that, that same trip, uh, somebody thought I was, um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think of the actor's name. He was in The Big Chill. Kevin. Uh, Spacey? No. No. Anyway, somebody thought I was an actor when I was down there. So how do you deal with getting spotted? 
when you're oh. out and about? How, how do you, because you have to have a plan because you never know, well, with you, it's going to happen all the time. But when you get caught off guard, how do you handle it? Uh, I, well, I'm never off guard, probably. Um, I, you know, talk to them. How you doing? There, people, when, when people recognize you and approach you, they're friendly people. So I could talk to a post for 30 minutes. Um, so, you know, how's your day going? What you doing? You know, whatever. Um, I like meeting people. It's the ones who, you know, recognize you but don't say anything that you got to be careful of. Yeah, the, the lurkers? Well, they're, they're, they're yeah. Kind, they're kind of hanging out, and you can tell you got recognized, but they're not saying anything, so it's really awkward. Exactly. But they're, but you they're wonder, telling the friends. The guy that sent me that email last week, you know. Yeah. I've uh, I've had that happen where there's one person, and then all of a sudden you turn around, and there's three people, and they're all staring at you. Yeah. It's like, yep, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. All right. So you covered the news in Lafayette for a long time. How has the news changed? And I'm not talking about how you deliver the news, but the type of news that you do deliver. How has it changed over the years on the stories that you guys cover? Well, you know, the population here is a lot larger um, than it was. So, you know, I think we get more crime stories. Um, I think we cover accidents a lot less than we did, you know, mm-hmm. 20, 30 years ago, um, for a variety of reasons. You know, it has to be a pretty disruptive accident for us to get on right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say we probably have more crime now. Um, and I think that this newer generation of reporters is much more interested in and good at finding people to talk to okay and kind of personalizing stories um than we than we would have done 30 years ago and i you know and that's a good thing because that's what the news is about it's about the people behind it so So about the people it impacts it impacts yeah so um one more question if you could sit down you've done a lot of interviews if you could sit down and interview one person, who would it be? Living or dead? Either. Well, living, it's um, an interesting question. Would probably be a political figure, Donald Trump, maybe. Oh, that would be an interesting interview. Yeah? It would be a fun interview, I think, an enlightening interview. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the president, Joe Biden, simply because he's the president. Right. Um, dead? I just think it would be fascinating to meet Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Or Mark Twain. Ooh. They were, uh, they definitely were interesting characters that people don't know that much about. Especially Abraham Lincoln. Wasn't he a professional wrestler at one point? Well, I don't I don't know about that. I don't think so. Uh, I, th- I, thought, I thought Lincoln was a, a wrestler. I could be I'll totally have, wrong. I'll have to Google that and get back with you, but that doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> it's probably wrong because I don't know much about history or news. I just know that I really like Jeff Smith, and I think you do an incredible job. And uh, really enjoyed sitting down with you on the Inside Our Towns the podcast, which you can obviously get at newhoffmedialafayette.com or anywhere you get your podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time 
and talking with me today, and you have a great day. Seamus, I appreciate you taking the time with me. I've had a lot of fun, and I hope you have a great day as well. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.